Mike or everybody. Thank you all. And uh, yeah, Mike, talk as long as you want about whatever you want, man. This is a uh, this is your meeting, sir. Thanks. Um, yeah, I'm Mike. I'm an alcoholic. Um, I'm not Jimmy H, but you know, I do my best. <laughs> um, let's see. Try to keep it sort of short. I tend to be a little long winded. I um. Drugs are part of my story, but I'm definitely an alcoholic. Um, booze, you know, from the beginning, I drank with intent to get drunk. Uh, it was never like a social thing for me. It was uh, one of the effects that alcohol gave me. And, um, you know, when I first started drinking, I wanted it more and more and more. Um, I was never, you know, I, I look at people like my wife. We had our anniversary on a saturday five-year anniversary and um she had the glass of wine with dinner and she didn't finish it <laughs> and we left and like that just doesn't compute for me you know like to me that's like throwing away a bag of cocaine like a perfectly good bag of drugs or, or something um because that's just how i think of alcohol but um i started drinking around 16 uh pretty much when i got my driver's license and um I have a twin brother who's also in recovery. He's an alcoholic too. And we were running mates for years. Um, you know, it was great. Or I thought it was great at first because like we always had a designated driver and we just sort of passed that baton back and forth. But um, we enabled the hell out of each other and our drinking just got worse and worse. Um, and uh, I went to college and I think within like a month or two, I was drinking every night because I could. Um, and I didn't think any, anything of it. You know, I immediately gravitated towards people who drank like I did, towards potheads and stuff. And nobody challenged me on it. Um, and I got through college. But like, you know, there were a few red flags there. Like my grades would suffer a little bit because I was hungover all the time and I just couldn't go to morning classes because I couldn't get up um, stuff like that but when I got out of school I had this you know grand plan to work for a year and then get a graduate school and uh, I got a job at a Barnes and Noble the bookstore and that year turned into two years and then three years and then four years and um, you know I just kept drinking through that and and I sort of fell into this cycle of just dragging my ass to work every day and then drinking every night um, and then doing that over and over again. And, and I just kept doing it and like wondering, you know, why isn't my life getting better? Cause uh, I look at like the people I grew up with and they were all like starting families and buying houses and starting careers. And, and I just couldn't seem to bring myself to do any of that stuff. And I eventually thought that like that stuff just wasn't going to happen for me, you know? Um, and I, I think I knew that like alcohol was an issue. I just I couldn't imagine life without it. So the prospect of quitting drinking terrified me. Because um, for me, it was like my life was constantly falling apart, and that was the only th thing like holding me together. But um, you know, as an alcoholic, like I know now, my like relationship to alcohol is not normal. Um, when I wasn't drinking, I was thinking about it. I was planning out the drink. I was planning like how I was going to get away with drinking the way I needed to drink and always you know when I took the first drink it set up that phenomenon of craving 
and um i took another and another and another and like i i do all this stuff that you know people talk about like i i'd say okay i'm only having three drinks tonight but then once the booze gets in my system it's like all bets are off you know even if i have to get up at five in the morning um it'd be three in the morning and i'd be like well i'll just have one more <laughs> you know and just get a couple hours of sleep and then go to work or whatever so i did a couple things to try to make things better i did a geographical i uh i moved from virginia to boston thinking like okay if i move to this big city my life will be fun and exciting again you know i'll meet cool people and go to museums and concerts and blah 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 but um I brought myself with me, which means I brought my booze problem. And I just kept doing the same thing in Boston that I was doing in Virginia, which is, you know, drinking at night and being hung, hung over during the day. And, uh, and it just got worse. You know, the only thing that really changed is my living expenses went up. Um, I was living with my brother at the time and he, he ended up leaving and getting sober. He went to a detox and I thought that was good for him because, you know, he had a problem. Um, not looking at myself and um and then i was alone and like that was the first time i was really living alone um and i just kind of gave up on life uh you know i didn't clean up after myself my house was basically a graveyard for empty beer cans um and i still had my job but like i was on thin ice and um you know it just got worse from there um I moved in with some people that I met on Craigslist, which if you aren't familiar with Craigslist, it's basically just like a, a posting site where you can post ads for like, you know, roommates and uh, stuff to buy and stuff like that. And I had like every intention of moving in there and being like the model roommate, you know, paying bills on time, being quiet and respectful. And, and I just couldn't do it because, you know, I'd be up late at four in the morning, drunk, blasting music. I'd be blackout drunk and like feeling my roommates food and their alcohol and, um, and they hated me. And like, I sort of became this person that I didn't recognize, um, you know, cause I'd never been a thief or anything like that, but, uh, I just was that person and, um, I didn't know what to do about it, you know? And I, I kind of knew that like, I couldn't keep going like this. I knew that I had to change, but I wasn't, still wasn't ready to quit drinking. And then finally, what happened was my mom died unexpectedly, and um, I was on bereavement from work. And what finally got me to realize that, like, you know, I was going to die if I kept doing what I was doing was um, when I wasn't drinking, I was having, like, these horrible withdrawal symptoms, you know, shakes and hallucinations and stuff like that. And that scared the, the crap out of me. And I was like, okay, something's got to give. And I finally, I called a crisis line, and I got into a detox. And that was kind of the beginning of my recovery journey. Um, and I knew about AA because my brother had been to AA. But I had a lot of misconceptions about it. You know, like I, I really thought it was like a church program, um, which is part of what kept me away from it because um, I'm an atheist. And, um, and I was like, well, it's for, you know, it's like a Christian thing. It's not for me. It was basically my, my excuse. But in detox, these AA uh, groups were coming in. They were you know, sharing and stuff. And I was identifying with them, you know, I was opening my, up my ears and listening and, and, um, and everybody, you know, the counselors and stuff and the detox were like, you got to go to AA, you know, AA is the place for you if you're an alcoholic. 
So it's like, okay, I'll give this thing a try. Um, but in the back of my head, like I got out of detox and I found this meeting in a meeting book that was like on my street that I could walk to. And in the back of my head, I was thinking, okay, I'll just go to this. And, you know, if they started talking about like God stuff, then I'll just, you know, say it's not for me and leave. And I sort of set up my escape plan. And um, thankfully, <laughs> the meeting I chose, um, it was called Beyond Belief, and but I didn't put two and two together about what it was. And I, I sat down in the meeting, you know, expecting them to like open with a prayer or something. And uh, and they said, you know, this meeting is for atheists and agnostics. And I didn't really know that that existed. And really, it didn't at the time. I mean, there were only like a handful of those meetings um, around and most of them they had to call themselves beyond belief and stuff like that because if they called themselves like atheists and, and agnostics they wouldn't be listed in the books so thankfully like i sat down there and my escape plan went out the window because you know i i belong there like there are people like me in aa and um which is exactly what i needed um and it's funny because like i told people i've told people that and they're like wow mike it's almost like somebody with some supernatural like spiritual force was looking out for you and i was like okay okay but um but anyway, that that sort of shepherded me into AA, and and I, I kind of jumped into it, you know, head first because I knew like, I knew that left to my own devices, I drank again, um, and I did like I relapsed a few times. But what I didn't do was leave AA because I knew that if I left AA, I'd be screwed because like I'd been there before, you know, I'd, I'd been alone um, on my own trying to try, trying to stop, and I just couldn't do it. So like my whole thing was my instincts were to like isolate and not join groups. And I was like, I have to just go against my instincts. So when people were like, Hey, do you want to make coffee on Friday night? I said, yes, even though I didn't want to. Um, and I got a home group and, uh, and that was really helpful for me. Cause like I needed to be, I needed to be like part of AA, you know, I needed to be like part of the community. I couldn't just like sit on the sidelines and, and like watch and and uh because i i knew that i'd step away once i i decided i didn't need to be there anymore um and that helped because like you know i was making coffee i was i had the key to the the hall i had to open the door i had to talk to people and i just met a people you know i made friends with a people um i was hanging out with them like outside of aa um and suddenly, like, I was surrounded by sober people. And, you know, I did I did the stuff they suggested, like deleting the drug dealer's phone number out of my <laughs> contact list and not going to bars. And, um, you know, and I, I was, like, open with my family about it. I, I told everybody, and they were really supportive. And, um, and, like, sobriety, you know, early sobriety was really hard. And in a lot of ways, it was painful because I always felt like there was this thing missing that like I needed to fill some void in me or something. And, you know, it was really just the craving for alcohol, but month after month, like I just did, you know, 24 hours at a time. And, uh, I, I remember waking up one day and I was like thinking about what I had to do that day. And, uh, I realized that I kind of felt all right, you know, like I didn't feel awesome. I didn't feel great. I just felt all right. And I wasn't like obsessing over, whether or not I could get away with drinking, I was just thinking about what I had to do that day. And I kind of realized that what realized that like the stuff that people were say, saying in AA about like, you know, the, the promises or whatever, they were coming true a little bit. Um, and uh, that was exciting. And, 
you know, I, I, I did a lot of cool stuff when I got sober. I did go back to school. I went back to graduate school. Um, I met my wife actually before I quit drinking and she stuck around, <laughs> which was uh, kind of amazing. Um, and we ended up getting married and then, you know, I got out of grad school. I got a job. I realized I hated that job and I quit that job. Um, and I started working for myself, which was risky and terrifying, uh, but it turned out to be like the best thing for me. Um, and then we eventually moved from Massachusetts to Vermont and bought a house, which is, and like, these are all things that like, I never thought would happen for me. Right. I thought I was going to die before I reached 30 years old. Like that's, that's sort of the trajectory I was on. Um, and now like I'm 39, I'll be 40 next June. Um, and I'm just like, how the heck did I make it this far? You know? Um, and forgive me if my, if my voice sounds old or as I'm getting over a cold, but, um, but it's because I'm sober, you know, and, and like, I'm not, I'm not like a model for physical fitness or wellness or anything. Uh, like I vape and, you know, donuts and stuff, <laughs> but, um, but like alcohol is not an issue for me anymore. You know, it's just, it's a non-issue. Um, I've been, I'll be sober nine years in November and, um, it's really just like, for me, the calculus now is pretty so simple. It's like my life is very obviously much better when I'm sober, you know, um, so drinking, whatever, like small amount of relief that drinking is going to give me, it's not going to be worth it because drinking for me, it's not like a one night thing. It's like, I'm either drinking or I'm not drinking. And, um, you know, if I have to take it one day at a time, I've done it for a while now and, you know, that's fine. And, uh, these days, like, I don't, I don't like, I think about drinking, but I, I've never really like tempted to do it. Um, I kind of, you know, like I always hated pot. Uh, I never liked it. And I sort of treated it like kryptonite. Uh, and I'm, I've sort of been doing that with alcohol and, uh, and I'm kind of okay. I'm okay. with like other people's people drink around me as long as they're not like getting wasted or whatever. But, um, I also just like, don't put myself in those situations, you know? And, um, and now I lead a pretty boring, quiet life in rural Vermont, which I love. Um, and, uh, and it's awesome. And like, you know, I, uh, I try to help people when I can. Um, I try to take care of myself and I don't drink it a day at a time. And that's, basically all I do and I go to AA and yeah and I guess that's it so thanks everybody <laughs>